Blog Talk Radio. Sure, but like in comparison, what else 
TV. Base. Texas, yeah, you got the Astros, you have the Rangers, you have big time franchises there. But Detroit has all, the Tigers have been around forever. Yeah, but it's still considered based on TV revenue. It's considered a small market. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, that's likewise the Cincinnati. Okay. Cincinnati has okay. been a team. Cincinnati so was the much, first major much, So you're pretty much putting anything that comes in like a central division, Midwest type of division. We'll small have a market. small market minus Chicago. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, anyways, not to get too off point, but like, so for me, man, you know, my favorite team, you know, Nebraska, the Reds, the Bearcats, the Bengals, I'll tell you what, Nebraska, I, I was never in Nebraska when they were winning national championships. I was, I was a kid. Uh, you know, I think their last national championship they won in 1997, I was only 15 years old. Uh, so, but with the Reds, I was even younger. They last won in 1990. I was eight years old when they won the World Series. Right. And to me, that was thrilling, watching them sweep the heavily favored Oakland Athletics, very heavily favored Oakland Athletics. But there's just, honestly, man. And that ace team was stacked. It was. It was super stacked. And, and there's nothing that can quite compare, though, when you're absolute favorite team. Now, everybody's got teams they like in different sports, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got teams that they root for. But when it's your absolute diehard favorite team, and for me, it's the Reds and the and the Nebraska Cornhuskers, okay? Those two teams. When they win a championship, there's nothing like it, man. And the Reds haven't won in a long time. Uh, they're in the playoff Nebraska field. has not been relevant for a long time. About 25 years. Yeah. 20, 20, 20 we, plus years. we went to yeah. the U of M Nebraska game, and uh, that, was a, that, that was a disappointment. You kind of wanted to leave uh, soon, very, very soon. Yeah, it was year one of the Scott Frost era, and he got butt-fucked by Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> and I didn't want to watch it. It's hard. Nebraska is the only team right now for me. Like, the Bengals, they can get down 28-3. to three. I'll still watch the game and see what happens. When shit goes sideways for Nebraska, it pains me. It physically pains me to watch them. It, it hurts me, and I can't, I can't watch them. I have to turn the game off. And, and there's been a lot of Saturdays in recent memory where I'm like, I can't watch this shit anymore. I can't because it hurts me. And for you, I don't know what that team is for you where it's like, I don't want to say because not everybody is the same kind of fan, right. and I don't want to say like it ruins your day when they lose. For me, when Nebraska loses, oh, it, kind no, of, it kind of ruins so, my day. So for me, it, you know, my day is ruined always when the Jets lose. So, okay, uh, and that's pretty frequent. You know, again, you know, I'm a long time right. sufferer of that. But um, on Sunday, especially, I've been to games at MetLife, and uh, a Jets loss is like. Damn, you're literally hung over at like 7 p.m. because that's how much you've been drinking. So, uh, but you know, it's it, it's tough to watch your team lose, but just the excitement of going to the games and rooting for your team, knowing that they're going to lose, you're still rooting and you're out there. But when they win, going back to the Reds, uh-huh. when they win, it it feels that much better. Well, you know, there is some hope for Jets fans. Um, I saw some clips from Zach Wilson against in the Packers? preseason game against the Packers. He made some great throws. He looked, you know, granted, it's the preseason. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens. But 
you know, the, the Jets have been dealt already a rash of injuries. Oh, man. Early. They just lost our linebacker, Gerard Davis. And uh, there's uh, and then the defensive lineman, Carl Lawson. He Carl Lawson, out. Quinn Williams, we're working back. He's going to 20 snaps now. Yeah. We lost Zane Lewis, our strong, starting strong safety. C.J. Mosley's banged up. So, look, you know what? I don't have any expectations for the Jets this year. I just want to see Zach Wilson learn. I want to see him make mistakes and not make them again. Yeah. I, but I want to see him make mistakes. So he's going to have to come across it. What point. do you think for your Realistically, prediction? Realistically? See, I don't think they're going to be that bad. So I know I, I, would, I was going to say five or six games Yeah. with, like, a healthy loss in yeah. full-time defense. And I'm, I'm counting on our defense. To give our offense more time on the field, like takeaways and stuff like that, you know, yeah. generating turnovers, giving the offense another crack at getting six, right? That's not going to probably happen. Well, I do like – They'll be on the short end of blowouts, but, like, yeah. if they'll go off shooting, that'd be nice to see well, the Jets kind of shoot out. Well, know? they did address the O-line. <clears throat> they did. Um, I think receivers still – receiver, we're going to see running back. We're going to see if, if Michael, Michael, looking good. Michael Carter and Michael Perrine, if somebody can – stand out from that group. Uh, so was Elijah Moore the receiver that yeah, they yeah, took? Yeah, yeah. He looked pretty good early on. You know what? He got banged up. Okay. So he's got a quad injury that they're hoping that he comes back to practice this week for. And um, they're hoping that he comes back this week. And, you know, we're expecting him to be a big piece for, for Zach Wilson because during preseason, not preseason, I would say OTAs, minicamp, he was, he was all the buzz, man. He was he was making people miss. He was taking people's lunch money away from him. I have to tell you though, I have to tell you with Zach, uh, a very twitchy receiver though. This guy he reminds more, me yeah. of like a a better Golden Tate to be honest with you. He's a little bit bigger, but yeah. yeah. He, but uh, with the quarterback here, um, why am I drawing up Zach Wilson? Yeah, I was not high on him yeah. at yeah. number two. Yeah. I I I I was not high. I could be proven wrong because I'll tell you what, quarterback I feel is one of the hardest positions to project at the next level because it all depends on coaching system, a little bit of natural talent, you know. But see, the thing is with modern day analytics, right, when faced with X defense, the decision the quarterback makes is an indication of, like, awareness and, like, that extra level of, you know what, I'm going to try to do this, and, hey, it might work. And Zach Wilson constantly did that. And that's – honestly – the Jets took him. He's got a great arm. You saw him in in, in uh, his training day, or uh, sorry, yeah. the, what was it? The preseason game. No, no, not preseason. Oh. I'm saying before even the draft. Pro day. His pro day. Yeah. yeah. Everyone saw the throws that he made during pro day. He wowed people with his throws. Um, outside of the throws, though, he has this second level of like intuition when it comes to being a good quarterback. That's the part that I'm like really waiting to see because I thought Darnold had that too, but Darnold apparently does not. He showed it right now. Yeah. Carolina, he sucks. Terrible. He got down to the six-yard line three times, nothing. Could not generate shit. Darnold, I thought he they was going to be – Robbie Anderson. I, I thought Darnold was going to be a good pro. I was wrong on that one, too. But I also thought, you know, before there's been other guys that I thought that were going to be busts that ended up being busts. I thought Josh Allen was going to be a bust. Yeah, yeah, I've, been, I I've been loud wrong on that yeah, one. Yeah, so did Super I. Super loud wrong. Me too, me too. Uh, so, too. you know, but I was high on Deshaun Watson, and yeah. I always thought he was much better than getting drafted 11th, and I thought Trubisky was going to be a bust. So, you know, it, but it's hard to project these things. It's hard to project 
Uh, so what do you feel about like Trey Lance? I know we're going a little bit off topic, but, okay. but we had you know we had an open segment where yeah. guys ten fifteen minutes, right? So, so <clears throat> you want to talk to me about these rookie QBs? We talked about Wilson a bit. Uh, what about Fields? How do you feel about? I like Fields a lot. How do you feel about Trey Lance? I like from what I've seen from Trey Lance, he looks impressive. Okay. Now, looking good in practice, looking good in preseason games against second and third string defenses, not, not different. Right. To NFL success. So what, what we're going to see, this could be a class that gets talked about more than the Baker Mayfield class. Okay? So with the Baker Mayfield class, you had him, Darnold, uh, Josh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen. Obviously, Baker Mayfield kind of so-so. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have kind of elevated as the top of that class, where and Darnold's gone, you know, pretty much going to be bounced out of the league after this year. Um, but this class has the potential to match that class. It also has the potential, and I'm going to say potential, that's the key word here, of matching the same 1983 draft class of Marino, Elway, and all those dudes, right? For any class to kind of rival that 83 class, you kind of got to have at least two or three Hall of Famers. Um, you know, I don't know if the Baker Mayfield class has that. Maybe Josh Allen Lamar Jackson end up being in the Hall of Fame. It's a little early to tell because they have to have sustained success over an amount of years, right? This year, I like Justin Fields a lot. I also like Trey Lance. I also think Trey Lance landed absolute perfect situation. When you want to talk about how these young quarterbacks, they get drafted, and they go to these teams, a lot of times they get thrown to terrible teams. Trey Lance is not on a terrible team. He has a lot of talent. The Niners' problem last year was Jimmy G, you know, I believe tore his ACL or, or had a season-ending injury. Three, uh, He only played like three games or so. Uh, so this is what happens kind of like when you saw Andrew Luck go to the Colts. The Colts were drafted – Peyton Manning had a season-ending injury, and they had to go with Curtis Painter for an entire season. That's the only reason why. So Trey Lance got into a great situation on a team loaded with talent. Also, I also think – Let's not forget – I'm sorry, I know you've been kind of run, running for this with a minute for a minute or so, but, like, don't forget Kyle Shanahan um, is an ideal spot to fall into as a rookie QB. Yeah. You're Sean Payton, you're Bruce Arian, you're Andy Reid, you're Frank Reich, you and I would say for that matter, you know. Um, these guys are great with quarterbacks. They're good with finding the your quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, finding their, their better, you know, qualities, you know, yeah. whatever it may be, arm strength, accuracy, and they focus on it and they make it better. So I think he fell in a great situation, but – out of all the out of all the uh, rookie QBs, I still think Zach Wilson has the most exposure available to him. Um, outside of Trevor Lawrence, I mean, which is sure. Granted, I mean, but they're both. In, he's been, but he's been hailed the, the savior for like two years now. Yeah, but they're both in bad situations. Correct. Trevor Lawrence has a lack but of hold talent. On. I think we went over this last show too. Sorry to interrupt yeah. again. Trevor Lawrence is taking hits. He's taking sacks. He's getting against third, second and third stringers. That's, he is. That's troubling. And it, that's a little bit of a Joe Burrow situation happening for that for him his rookie year. I hate he's got say it, but he's got, Joe yeah. Burrow got knocked around. He got knocked around. He got he knocked around. Hit. The he offensive was line hit. was shaky. Lawrence has a few weapons uh, to go to. Um, I think he has a little bit more in the weapons department than Zach Wilson currently with DJ Chark, 
and ATN and James Robinson, who was really good. And then I believe they have another receiver, Martin Jones, down there, who uh, – They also have – I, I believe they still have Daddy Westbrook as well. Okay. So, so I think he's got a little bit more to work with than Zach Wilson currently. But I would take what, the talent. I would take more time uh, on being able to throw because – Sure. Well, you yeah. have to have – Yeah, on the yeah. Jets side, you, you still have Herndon. You yeah. have um, a tight end. You have Corey Davis. You have Elijah Moore. You have uh, – who else do you have? It? Uh, you know, that's it pretty much. Yeah. But Michael Carter, you know, <laughs> you still have Tevin Coleman, who's a great third down back. Um, yeah. They're going to fit him into the rotation. So, you know, possibilities. You know, let's see what happens. Uh, so moving on real quick as we talked a little bit, and we're going we're to go back to the NFL uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what is the most – I've been to a lot of sporting events in my lifetime. I've seen some classic things happen. What to you what, – uh, any sporting events that you've been to that you would say is like the most thrilling or exciting sporting event you've been to? Uh, I would have to say um, – all right, so I would say probably two events. Okay. One would be I got a chance to see Michael Jordan play against the Nets when okay. they were in New Jersey. Um, and I got to see him. It was like 2001, I think, yeah. or two. I'm not – somewhere around that time. And he's on the Wizards, basically. Yeah. And I was a Bulls fan my entire life. And it was just like absolutely starstruck type of thing to be able to see him play um, on the court. Yeah. Granted, being 40 and everything, but just, again, it's 23, man. I got a chance to yeah. see 23, dude. You know, that I would say that's one. And then the second time would be the first time I went to a baseball game was actually um, pretty recent. But anyhow, my first baseball game, I think, was like 2010. And um, uh, I, I uh, we went to uh, an Orioles game. And I like the I, I like the uh, the Orioles I like the Orioles game uh, because it was like 2010-11, and it was uh, a great park. I think uh, I think we've had this conversation right before. Yeah. You know they have a they have a good baseball park there, right? So, yeah. So yeah, you know, okay. got to see the Yankees actually play the Orioles then. Nice, which was awesome. Uh, for me, there's three games that I've been to that are thrilling, that that really left an impression. First one was Tom Browning for the Cincinnati Reds, 1988. Uh, it might have been 89. I apologize, folks. But he threw the perfect game. It was the only perfect game in Reds history. I was in attendance. I was small. I fell asleep during the game. Uh, I was with my dad. Right. But I got that ticket stuff autographed. Uh, I was only seven years old. So it was in 1989. I was only seven years old when it happened. But I was in attendance. Being there as someone throws a perfect game is incredible. Uh, the other thing is I went to school at UC. I'm a proud Bearcat, okay? 2006, I had gra- I had, uh, I had graduated already uh, from Cincinnati, but I was freshly graduated. I had just graduated that summer uh, in June of 2006. So November, Rutgers comes into town. Uh, Greg Schiano, the Ray Rice-led Rutgers Charlotte Knights, okay? They come into town undefeated and ranked number seven in the country. And Cincinnati pulls off the upset, and we stormed the field. And that was a pretty good Cincinnati team. That wasn't quite uh, teams we saw in the Brian Kelly era, 
but that, that was still a very a very good team uh, since I had in 2006, and we upset uh, Rutgers and ended their uh, perfect season at that point. And then um, the uh, the Bengals in 2003 that was the Chad that was a Chad Johnson team. Uh, they Dick Vermeil's Chiefs came in undefeated, and that was the Chiefs with uh, I believe Priest Holmes, Trent Green at quarterback, Tony Gonzalez at tight end, and the Chiefs were undefeated at that time. And the Bengals ended their undefeated season in 2003, and I was at I was at those games, and those were incredible memories for me. Uh, just to, the atmospheres, uh, the atmospheres in those games was, was there was none like it. Yeah, those those sound like great games, man. Sounds like sounds like a like an amazing time to just be around, and you know, I'm glad that you were able to remember those, right? So like, well, too young. Yeah, well, when the when the Bengals won in 2003, I was I was in college still. I was a junior in college at that time, and when the the Bearcats beat Rutgers, I just graduated. So yeah, I was older, so definitely able to remember that. Um, So I wanted to get to get to this part. KD and uh, and Draymond had a little interview uh, here, and uh, they were discussing kind of like how their breakup went to, and um, <laughs> why well, we got Kawhi going here. <laughs> we, got, we got Kawhi going because I think it's an absolute joke that this is even news. <laughs> All right, so let's, here's a little clip from the uh, Draymond and KD interview that I would like to play for you guys. Uh, So if the audio is a little bad, I apologize, but here we go. From my own personal um, sanity, I've been getting my ass kicked ever since you left. So just from my own personal sanity, how much did our argument against the Clippers drive you to ultimately lead the Warriors. It wasn't an argument. It was the the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, act like it didn't happen. Bob Myers will try to just discipline you and think that that would put the mask over everything. I really felt like that was such a big situation for us as a group. The first time we went through something like that, we had to get that shit all out. I remember watching the last dance, and when Scotty didn't go into the game, the whole team in the locker room said, Scotty, that was fucked up that you did that. We needed that. We just needed to throw all of that shit out on the table and say, yo, Jay, Jay, like, that was fucked up that we even had to go through that. Let's just wipe our hands with that and go go finish the task. I don't think we did that. We tried to dance around it. I just think, like, all of that is weird to me. And I'd rather us be who we say we are, family first, Communication is key. Like I, we didn't show that, and that, that's what rubbed me the wrong way more than anything. Well, we, uh, oh, we got a caller calling in right now, and uh, we're going to get to that clip here. So uh, let's welcome in our caller. Oh, I'm terribly, I'm terribly sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, you're okay. You're, uh, what do we got? Okay. Who we got? Okay, we have a new caller, uh, Lou from New Jersey, but uh, no stranger to Block Talk Radio at all. Okay, awesome. cool, awesome. cool, awesome. What's, what's yeah. going on, man? I'm from New Jersey. You know, I was born and raised in Jersey, man. Where, where from in Jersey? Uh, northern New Jersey, just outside of Newark. Just outside of Newark. All right, I grew up in Parsippany, man. I know exactly where Newark oh, is. Oh, we're from East Hanover. We're practically no. neighbors. 
Yeah, I went. I went to. I went to. Um, I went to Rutgers in Newark as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a Jersey. I'm, I'm, I'm from Hanover, actually. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only ten minutes from you. Yeah. I'm glad I got you on yeah. the call, man. Yeah, I was hearing about the uh, Dreaming Green stuff and whatever, and you know, basically, I think you just want want out, you know, and just want and come and make a fresh start in Brooklyn. I don't think he was happy, you know, being in Golden State, you know, after the debacle, especially after losing in the um, in the 2016 finals. I think he's like, like, well, I gotta get the hell out of here. So, you know, I think there was, I think it was a lot personally to do with it, you know, nothing else. And I think, you know. But to play the blame game, though, that's another thing because you know you gotta think, oh, is it the coach's fault? Is, the, is it the player's fault? You know, I've heard a lot of that. You know, covering sports over the years, somebody always trying to play the blame game. And of course, Draymond Green, well, you know he's got he's got a little bit of an ego, not as much as LeBron, but you know a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's definitely got a big ego. I I don't really buy the blame the coaches either. I. It's kind of revisionist history to sit there and say with nobody really checking them. Especially with everything done now. Everything's yeah. been done and over. And that's to turn right. around and kind of say, hey, Steve Kerr did this, the GM or the man, you know, the whoever did that. I think it's kind of, that that's the wrong move. He could have just said, we should have had an open conversation about the fight oh. instead of, you know, just putting a, a, a mask over it. But he brought other people's yeah. names. Into it. I thought that was wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was but, uncalled know, for. The thing is, they had all that time. Uh, they've had three years, so, and then they played in the Olympics together. And, of course, like, with nobody really, like, checking these guys and saying, you know, that's not how things went down. Because what's to stop them from having that thing where they're like, oh, I wish uh, instead of Steve Kerr kind of downplaying and, like, massaging our egos, he would have just let us have it out. Well, you know what? One of them would have been crying because KD creates fake burner accounts uh, yeah. to go after Twitter people who, who are, you know, I, saying wrong things about him. So, so. so, I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off, bro. Yeah. I want to say one thing, and I wanted to get your, your input on it. Um, I think both KD and Draymond are a little bit of, of – uh, they're great players, but they're divas, you know. And, and that allows yeah. them to um, kind of That's blow things out of proportion, but not necessary, right? What's your thoughts on that? Well, like you're saying, you know, they're, they're divas, and that's, you know, that's the problem. Because, I mean, you know, thinking back to, like, you know, in previous years, like Dennis Rodman, of course, he was another diva. And, you know, his his image was like, you know, I think a little uh, tarnished the game and whatnot. They are more concentrating on, on him being a diva than rather than the game itself. And those guys, you know, I find them kind of irritating, you know, being the prima dons and whatnot. They think they're all the – you know, the NBA is a success because of them. Uh, no, not really. So um, right. you know, I right. I've seen a lot of them over the over the years. I've been covering basketball for well as a fan for forty years, but as a wow as a wow. as a host of a, as a podcast host for the last five years, I've seen how how it's how it was become. Oh wow, that's, that's wow, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So you've been uh, covering the sports for quite some time, man. That's hey, uh, can we follow you? Can we yes. uh, you know can we follow you as well? What's your what you know? Actually, um, I cover every. Oh. I cover almost almost everything in little sports. The, you know, we do cover bas- We do cover the big four: uh, basketball, football, okay. hockey, baseball. We do cover soccer. Um, we even cover women's awesome. sports if, if something interesting comes along. 
I have a show on Saturday okay. nights, uh, okay. from five to seven uh, East Coast time. It's okay. called the Enhanced Sports Show. It's enhanced okay. with an E, not an I. Keep that in mind, because people get okay. that mixed up. Yeah, everybody does. No problem. Uh, the number to call is 512-543-4662. I'll repeat that again. 513. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 512-543-4662. Yep. 4662. All right. right. That's awesome, They always man. get that mixed so up at the end. Would you mind yes. if we called in and threw in our input as well? You know, whenever you have your show going on? Please do. The more the merrier. But just don't curse. Awesome. I mean, we have, awesome. we, have to make it a, we, we have to make it a family atmosphere. And if we do curse, my ass will be thrown off in five seconds. Okay. So we, we definitely will make sure we do not – will not curse. Well, yeah, we won't curse. This, this right. has a bit of a more of a rated R twist on it um, yeah. our show sometimes. So we get a little mouthy like sailors, yeah, but know, we will I make know. sure – <laughs> I know. I've, I've been involved with Blog Talk for five years. I use I used to host a show on Blog Talk actually, but uh, uh, we had to we had to switch uh, services. So I started out on Blog Talk okay. and then went to another service, and now I'm on the uh, on the uh, Uber service. Awesome, Sweet. awesome, man! Well, I, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank uh, you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for calling in, fellow Jersey man. I had time. Thank you. Thank you. Good to have you on. Super happy that uh, he found yeah. a uh, fellow podcaster that's from Jersey. So uh, uh, we will definitely be tuning in on Saturday, and we uh, appreciate your time. Right. And if I have time, I'll call back again next week. Thank Thanks you. A lot. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You. Thanks. Have so a much. good one. All right, so that was Enhanced Sports Show. Uh, right. Call any uh, shows on Saturdays from 5 to 7, so you guys should check them out, our, yeah. our fellow listeners. We're definitely going to check it out on Saturday. Uh, that's, a, that's a prime, prima time slot, especially with college football coming oh, up. Oh, absolutely, stuff, so. 100%. And it's a good place to actually go and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, bring out your your uh, your opinions. Yeah. You know, sure. I, I really, I definitely will check it out. And to all the listeners that are still listening, if you get a chance, check out Enhanced Sports yeah. Saturdays. From five to seven. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the Reds. And, right. Uh, you know, I don't want to make this too much of a local show. You know you what? Know, I've, heard the Reds, I've heard you say the Reds, the Reds, the Reds, like over and I'll over. I'll be excited, and man, because I didn't have high hopes I, for this I, season, I, and now we're in the playoffs. I line. see you playing with the Reds <laughs> on MLB The Show. Come on, man. Don't you ever get tired of the Reds? No, I don't get tired of the Reds. I love my Red Lights. Okay. So, Joey Votto, okay? Joey Votto, to me, is an interesting case. Okay, because if you look at his numbers, he's he's not your he's not your grandfather's Hall of Famer, right? He doesn't have he doesn't have the Gold Gloves, the All Star appearances, the hits, the home runs that most Hall of Famers do from that time. But I think he is a Hall of Famer. Now I won't say he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's someone that gets in after like four or five years on the ballot. But if you look at his at what he's been able to do. His base percentage is ridiculous. Can I just ask you a quick question? Go ahead. How old is Joe's out of thirty seven. Okay. So he's got I would say another six years of re- re- relevancy? No, Maybe I would less. Say, I'd say two years of relevancy. He could play till he's forty four. I, 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 yeah. I don't think his number forty two, forty three. Yeah. You know? Well A because he plays a very low contact position first base, right? Right. It's not hard on your knees. Correct. It's not like catcher. Correct. It's not like shortstop. Yeah, it's not like yeah. shortstop where you have to be athletic to Correct. get those balls in the gap or yep. even like center field, right? Right. First base, 
is probably one of the easier positions I agree. to play on a baseball field. I agree. Okay? I agree. So, but I'll tell you what. He's at 300 homers. Okay? He's at 2,000 hits. Okay? 2,005 hits, 323 homers. Okay? By but by the end of his career, what do you think his numbers will be? By the end of his career, I'm going to guess he's going to be somewhere close to 400 home runs. He'll be like at maybe like 385. You really okay. think he has 100 home runs left in him? He's at 323. Okay, fine. You really think he has 70 plus home runs in him? Over six, if he plays five or six seasons, what's 70? I don't, divided I don't, by I don't think he's going to play five or six. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, well, he's 37. You just said he plays till 42, 43. But when he's relevant, up until he's relevant, okay. 42, 43. I think he's he's hitting two home runs a year. I don't know about two. I mean, I uh, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to compare him to other sluggers. Okay, okay let's say he, but has, I would let's say, say he has two more years of, like, the same pace that he's at right now. Okay, so let's say 25 home runs. Okay. So that's another 50. So okay. 323 yeah. plus 50. Yeah, he's closer to 400. Okay, right. yeah. So right. I'm going to say 385. All right. And I'm going to say he probably finishes around 2,400 hits or so. Okay? Okay. He's at 2,005 right now. But here's the thing about Votto. There are, he's in a club, a rare club, six guys that have had as many at-bats as he had, as has, has had, and has 2,000 hits and 1,200 walks, okay? The other five people that are with him are Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. That's it. That's a hell of a list. That's the list. That's the list. All five guys are Hall of Famers. Votto doesn't, as I've said, he doesn't have the eye-popping all-star numbers. He doesn't have, like, 13, 14 appearances. He's been an all-star six times, okay? I I don't know. Yeah, six is not bad, though. It's not bad, but when you look at, like, okay, if you look at, like, a guy like Mike Trout, right? Yeah. When he retires, he's probably going to have, like, 14 all-star appearances Correct. to his name, okay? Correct. But Votto, he's, he's a one-time MVP. He's won one gold glove, okay? okay? So, normally, when you don't have the hits, the offensive eye popping stats with three thousand hits and five hundred home runs. You you look at defense, right? A guy like Ozzy Smith, right, who has like eleven Gold Gloves, and you say, okay, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame because he's got the eleven. He's got all the defensive stats. Okay, Votto only has the one Gold Glove, but his on base percentage is is, is ranks constantly in the top ten every single season. Wow. All right. He gets on even at age thirty seven. Even at age thirty seven. And this year alone, he's in the M V P talk because he went seven straight games with a home run. Wow. And he's been on a tear in the second half. And so you know, I think Votto, is that the reason why the Reds are re- semi relevant? I mean you got they got Winker, Castellanos and Votto, who all three they have three hitters that rank in the top 10 in most major categories across the Major League Baseball. Batting average, home runs. Yeah. Ooh, Votto is tied for second in home runs in the National I mean, already, yeah. 28. Good God. So, and then you got Castellanos and Winker who are up there for for doubles and for and batting average and such. Uh, so, you know, but – if you look at like his numbers, and he, he, like I said, he doesn't have those that those milestone numbers that say, yeah, this guy's a definite Hall of Famer. But in my opinion, based on what I've seen and what he's done year in and year out in his consistency, I think Votto goes into the Hall of Fame. Like I said, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame guy. Even Barry Larkin, who had a far better career than Joey Votto has had, uh, took two or three times before he got into the Hall of Fame. So, 
Um, I, I, but I, I believe Votto is a uh, is someone that I think should go in. No, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't realize his stats were so extensive, but now getting a closer look at his stats, I definitely he's not first ballot like you had mentioned. Right. But third, fourth, try, yeah, I can see it happening because who just recently just went in? Um, we had uh. Walker going recently. Larry Walker, but his his, but stats, he, his home runs were out of this world. They were, and his stats were a lot better than Joey Votto. And Joey Votto, actually, they compared Dan Levertard show. He was on an interview in the Dan Levertard show recently, Joey Votto was. And they compared him to Larry Walker, and they're like, oh, well, you're way better than Larry Walker. And he's like, oh, no, I don't think so. You know, Larry's, Larry's ridiculously underrated. Right. Uh, but he hasn't had a season with more than 37 home runs. He's never been that guy, though. He's never been. He's had two. He's had three triple-digit RBI seasons. But he gets on base. Look at his on base percentage. I get it. I get it. I get it. I see he gets on base like almost fifty percent, damn near fifty percent of the time. You know, pretty close. Forty-two, forty-four. Here's the other thing that he doesn't do. Forty-seven. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. That's crazy. His on base percentage is absolutely bananas. Yeah. But then. You have a year that he had uh, 14 home runs. You had a year that he yeah. had six home runs, you know. Well, he was in okay, games. Like, he had a yeah. year that he had 12 home runs. He had a year that he had 15. He's never cracked that 100 RBI mark. And he last he did it was ten more than 10 years ago. 2017, actually. 100 RBI. Okay, fine. That was right yeah. on the money. Yeah. 36 home runs, 100 RBI. Yeah, but, okay. but prior to that, it was back in 2009. And he finished, and he finished second in the MVP race that year. The year and in the year that he won it. The year that he won it, he had 137. 137 and 113. Yeah, yeah, and he hit 324. Now look that was at 2010, the, though. That was 2010. But look at his when he's what, 11 years. He ago. has one, two, three, four, five. So he has six. Top ten finishes for the MVP in That's his fine. career. Six I think, top ten. I think he'll hit your your hit mark that you gave him, but he doesn't get that home run mark. As he ages, I don't see it happening. After this season, I don't. I so, really don't think he's at three twenty three. You don't think he can get to three eighty five? That's another. Oh, but, I thought you were still going with four hundred. No, three eighty five is an upgrade. So. Okay, that's sixty home runs over over the course of if he plays six more seasons. That's averaging ten home runs a okay, season. Okay, fine. Yeah, then he could do it. But like, I don't think at age forty two he's going to hit ten. I think it's it's going to be closer to that first year when he came in and he hit four. You know. Uh, all right, maybe, maybe. I mean, I know not. I know he's not Hank Aaron. I know this, but Henry Aaron when he was forty two, still. What was that? Oh, it still managed, you know, 12 home runs at 42. Uh, you know, 20 at 40. So, you know, uh, yeah, you never know. Listen, listen, H- Hank Aaron is, is not someone you compare Joey Votto to. No, I understand that. I, I get it. I got it. Okay. So, you know, Votto, I want to, you know, we'll wrap this up here shortly. But I want to ask you, what other fringe Hall of Famers are there do you think that are like Votto where they're not slam dunk cases. We know Mike Trout is there. Like, would you consider Bryce Harper a fringe Hall of Famer at this point? See, the thing is, with with baseball, I guess no one really cares about World Series, right? It's just stats at the end of the day. It's stats because baseball is so hard. It's you so have, hard to win the World Series. It's not like basketball when you got five guys 
you know, and basically if you're a great player, you can win a championship having right. one or two other guys around you, right? right? And in football – And there's they, a lot more games to be played. There's a lot more games. Yeah. And in football, no one cares if you want a Super Bowl unless you're a quarterback. Correct. That's the, quarterback is the only position that they care how many – and then they compare greatness. So Terry Bradshaw has X amount of Super Bowl rings. Tom Brady has this. So, whatever. So in baseball, it's not World Series winner. It's like who has this many Cy Youngs. Or, or MVP. Or MVP. Or, or, uh, or, or, who's, or who's in the home run club. So yeah. that's why it doesn't matter as much. But then there's guys that – all right. So then, yes, I would put Harper in that category. I don't know if I do. He hasn't shown the propensity to stay healthy yet. He, he just hasn't. And I, I'm I mean, still luckily, fairly young. That's still, what I was going to say. He still has enough time, I think, to bounce back. He's only been in the league since 2012. And so he's got 255 career home runs currently. Uh, so you know he's kind of there in the next. He's been he's played in ten ten years. I don't know if he's going to get to the final. The last two years have been like injury marred, but he had a 33 114, 34 on 100, 29 87. 2015 when he hit 42 dingers, he still only had 99 RBIs that year. I mean, break 100. Though. Yeah, that's fine. But his on base percentage was. Yeah, but he, he also only has one MVP award. And now, mind you, Joey Votto had six top ten finishes. Look at where he's been. He's won one, and then other his other two times he's even been on the list for MVP, right. he's been outside the top ten. Votto has six top ten finishes plus an MVP. But hold on, hold on, hold on. So Votto is 37, Bryce Harper's 28. All right? Yeah. So there's your difference, you know. You add ten more years of these kind of stats, he surpasses Votto. Yeah. Yeah, that, even that one. He will. He might. Ten more years, and he's at. If Vado's he stays age. healthy, also ten more years, he's at Vado's age though. He's twenty-eight years old. Are we sure he's only twenty-eight years old? Twenty-eight, right here. Twenty-eight years old. Yeah. So <laughs> in ten years, when he's when he's Vado's age, he will. one of these, man. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's if I said something funny, man. No, no, no. I'm just laughing at you. Oh, okay. That's Kawhi laughing at me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we all know, like, Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander, these guys are all, these guys are all, like, 100% Hall of Fame guys, right? But, uh, I, you know, it's always interesting to me like who these riders are going to vote for. And I, I think enough riders will vote for, for Votto, possibly Bryce Harper. I think another guy that's kind of like a pos- – he's, he's a maybe. Uh, and it kind of really just depends on how the next next uh, couple of years go. Uh, but what's his name? Uh, Manny Machado. Uh, he's still got time. Machado's still very young. Manny Machado is still, uh, I want to say, say under 30 or just not at 30. You know? Yeah, 28. He's got plenty of time. But he hasn't really had a breakout season except the last couple of years, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, he and he's never finished. He's never won the MVP award. He's finished third in the MVP uh, in 2020. Yeah, I, I don't think I can make any, like, like proper decision on Harper or Machado because they're still too young. Votto's at yeah. that age. Where, where I can start say, about yeah, where yeah. I can say, all right, you know what? In five years, this guy might be out of the league. And in those five years, do I think he has the stats to build up yeah. when it comes time? So, 
who who would you say is the elder statesman right now in the in the MLB that are at that age thirty seven <sighs> group? Because at thirty seven, whether you're a pitcher, whether you're a first base, well, yeah, like obviously you, know, you have Albert Pujols who's the shoe in to go to the hall. Oh, he doesn't count. He's got yeah. two thousand hits. He's got yeah. everything else going for him. You know, I'm saying like that would fall in that 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 category, right? Of, of possibly could make it to the next you know couple of years, and that's about it. You know. I it's hard for me to think of guys off the cuff, uh, because the guys I'm thinking of are guys that are Hall of Famers: Verlander, Kershaw, uh, you know, Pujols, uh, all those guys. But but they ha- yeah, those guys have the Cy Youngs and the home runs and the 2000. Maybe a guy like uh, let's think uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a great that's a great 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 um uh you know thing to put in there. And I think what what makes uh, uh McCutcheon what makes him um kind of a, a possibility at some point in the near future is because I think he's got a decent amount of stolen bases, yeah? Uh, career stolen bases, 197, but he hasn't had more than 20 since 2013. Oh, he, but he was stealing bases in 13, 12, 11. Now, he does have an MVP. He has one, two, three, four, four top. Basically, he was one of the best players in the league from 2012 to yeah. 2015. 15, yeah. And then after that, he kind of really fell off a cliff. Well, he had a, bun- like, he had a bunch of injuries. Yeah, he had a ton of injuries. Um, he what's his career numbers like? How many home runs? Well, he's at 264 career home runs. He, by the time he's, and he's at 1800 hits, so he's not even at 2000 yet. And he's but he's also three years younger than Votto. He's three years younger than Votto. Three years, but, but 200 hits to go is not that much. But look at his numbers this year. Well, he's got 21 home runs this year, yeah, 60 RBIs. You know, but he's hitting, he's hitting 220. A little bit of a bounce back, man. I would say a bounce. Yeah, bounce yeah. back like a. Rocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, do it. It's that time. Okay, well, it's the time for this for that. Oh, 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 Brackets or do that'll we... be Friday. Okay, that'll be Friday. Friday. Right. So uh, I just wanted to touch on a couple quick things because we are running out of time here. We got about 15 minutes left on the show. Um, so we had the Pacquiao fight right. and we had SummerSlam. It was right. a big fight, big fight weekend. Right, right. Both on the same night. Both on the same night. Pacquiao uh, lost uh, lost the decision um, to uh, what was the Ugas? Yeah, yeah. Now. Um, with you guys, man, he kind of – he was taken on short notice because Pacquiao was supposed to fight Errol Spence. And okay. that's what he trained for, to be completely honest with you. And, and Pacquiao, at this age, what he should have done, he should have reconfigured, had another camp, and figured out who his opponent really was. Yeah. Because he looked out of place, man. It looked like he, he had studied, had prepped, had gone for Spence, but then – Thought he could just, you know, wing it. And at 42, man, you can't be winging it anymore. I'm yeah, sorry. He, you can't. But also, the thing is, though, man, he was getting hit by punches that he normally wouldn't have gotten hit by. You see the loss of speed. You do. But so he was fighting. I'm not going to take anything away from you guys. He's, he's a nice fighter. 27 wins, four losses, okay? His last loss came to Sean Porter uh, back in 2019, okay? But. He won the vacant WBA welterweight title against Abel Ramos. 
Ramos. Abel Ramos. You know, you know how much of a nobody Abel Ramos is? He doesn't even have his own fucking Wikipedia page, okay? <laughs> That's how much of a nobody Abel Ramos is. He okay? shouldn't have gotten the opportunity to fight Pacquiao, to be honest with you. And, and if you look at who he's fought, Nobody. I haven't heard of anybody except for Sean Porter, and Sean Porter beat him. Yeah, correct. He's the only person I've heard wait, of. Wait, and that's who for the – That was for the WBC, welterweight title. Correct. Okay, correct. and then you have the ABC. So in the title fight that he lost. Yeah, the title fight he lost. Then he fight, fought Mike Dallas Jr. I don't know who. I don't know. You know, uh, let's see. Hold on a second. Uh, Mike Dallas Jr. was somebody that he fought. I don't care. Uh, he had uh, Omar Figueroa Jr., I don't care. Uh, let's see who else uh, he fought on this. He fought Thomas DeLorme. Uh, you might remember Thomas DeLorme from getting uh, absolutely destroyed Wait, hold on a second. by Terrence Crawford. But also Thomas DeLorme has his own Wikipedia page. He does have his own Wikipedia page. I don't care. <laughs> so... Uh, the guy that Pacquiao lost to uh, also is a nobody himself. Is kind of a nobody. Uh, his he, record is decent, but his, he, he, he hasn't fought anybody. He hasn't fought exactly. So I think it's time for Pacquiao to hang things up. I don't want to become like exactly. I don't want to become some punch drunk fighter yep. who's barely able to stand. Correct. Uh, so it's you know he's had a great career. Yeah. And he's fought, he's fought everybody. He's fought everybody. Unlike Floyd Mayweather Jr. But he's fought everybody. everybody. He's fought everybody. everybody. Who's who? Yeah, in, exactly. In the, in the respective divisions, in his when he was in his prime, when they were in their prime, yeah. he's fought all. He's fought all of them. I mean. And he's won titles in eight divisions. Correct. Eight, eight Correct. divisions. You're never gonna see that again. Correct. I'm telling you, you right now, you're Correct. never gonna see it again. Yeah. So absolutely not. Pacquiao, I want to congratulate you. Uh, you've been Manny, you've been a, you've been a, a, a charm to watch, man, yeah. for the last excellent fighter, man. Twenty years of boxing. Yeah, uh, I'm, uh, you know, he's been one of my favorite fighters of all time. But Punches. I think now you see that he's getting touched up on punches that he normally wouldn't have touched, touched him five, six years ago. Uh, he's forty-two now. It's it's time, boxers. He should have, he should have just taken like an amateur boxing fight with Jake Paul. Yeah, and then like, knocked his ass out. Like you know. like like uh, like Mayweather did. Yeah. that's what Mayweather. Well, Mayweather took Logan Paul. Logan Paul. But what I'm saying, yeah, whatever exactly. I'm saying, but that's what Mayweather's doing exactly. at 42. Exactly. Mayweather's not fighting real fighters. <laughs> even Uga, you got, yeah, you know, exactly. for that matter. I don't think Mayweather wanted to, would would want to see you guys. No, Mayweather doesn't want to. He's done. Mayweather doesn't want to fight Crawford or Earl Spence because no. he knows he's going to lose. Those he's going to lose. And Pacquiao was even talking he beat you guys. Yeah. They were talking he was going to fight Crawford next. Right. And I think Crawford would have really hurt him. Oh, yeah. I do. Because Bud Crawford That's what I was going to say. Really, truly. So, devil's advocate, had Manny, Manny won, would you say continue to keep it going? No. You still say hang up. No, right? because if he fights... Spence and Crawford, those dudes are young and they're dangerous. And yeah. Crawford, I think, would put a hurting on Pacquiao yeah, right now. I, agree. I really do. I agree. Uh, so moving on to SummerSlam, there's a lot of questionable booking decisions. Uh, uh, on oh, man. A lot of questions. What a useless SummerSlam, bro. It was, it was pretty bad. I, I hated it. Uh, I mean, not completely. But I mean, Tell me your thoughts on that one, Sam. All right. So SummerSlam, you have a bunch of Older stars trying yeah. to make their mark, you know, come back and and do the right thing, and it was cool, but like I'm telling you, it lacked the punch 
that SummerSlam used to have. SummerSlam was supposed to be one of the biggest events that WWE rolled out every year. It is. It's considered one of the big four, right? right? But if you really rate Survivor Series is kind of eh. If you rate the three big ones, it's Royal Rumble, Always. WrestleMania, Always. and SummerSlam. Those are the big three. And, and that's, that's probably in that order, give or take. WrestleMania before Royal Rumble. Yeah, right. WrestleMania is number one, yeah, for sure. Then probably Royal Rumble, then SummerSlam, and, and give or take. SummerSlam is up and down. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, it's the one where they pull out all the stops for, I right? I didn't see it happen, man. I no. saw Becky Lynch come back and take her take her belt back and within 45 seconds. Oh, to Bianca Belair, who they spent five months building up. Uh, and then gave her the Money in the Bank brief, or let her win the Royal yeah. Rumble, for the, and then got her WrestleMania moment, only to drop the title in 40 seconds. And it's, honestly, they just destroyed her character. I did. I thought it was terrible. Then they had they had cards. They had Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre. That was 10 minutes of my life I wish I could get back. Oh, it was you know? terrible. It was like watching paint dry. Okay. <laughs> I, I definitely would have to say that was a uh, – that was, I, it was, again, it was a terrible <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so then you have Nikki Ash, Nikki A-S-H, whatever, the superhero, yeah, yeah. who won Money in the Bank as well, cashed in on, on, on Charlotte, uh, or cashed in on Monday Night Raw, I think, right. to, beat, uh, to beat Charlotte. And her title is given back to Charlotte, okay? Yeah. So why? Yeah. Why even have her win Money in the Bank to do all that? And Rhea Ripley also loses to Charlotte again in that triple threat match. Rhea Ripley has now dropped four, four, four matches to Charlotte, so she's not a credible contender now Correct. at this point. In time. Do you think the Do you think WWE is running out of content to actually make it like like marketable and like exciting as it used to be? I don't think they're running out of content. What I think is they have terrible booking. And when you have ter- when you have you know wrestling entertainment, right? I'm not going to call it a sport. It's sports entertainment, I guess, to to an extent. But when you have that, and you have uh, these guys where they continue to go to the well of previous superstars, and they're not building the young talent, and the young talent that they do build up ends up getting squashed or they lose their titles. Uh, this is a prime example. This happens all the time. This isn't the first time we've seen newcomers lose their titles. Nikki A.S.H. and Bianca Belair are just in the long line. We saw Bray Wyatt get squashed by Goldberg right. at WrestleMania a few years ago to lose the title. Right. We've seen Braun Strowman lose to Goldberg and lose the title. Right. We've seen other countless matches in the last 10 years where the young up-and-coming talent loses their title to an old forgotten star. Correct. Okay? Correct. And what you see now is AEW is capitalizing. AEW is going to take some of those cast-out stars that have name appeal, like Dean Ambrose and Miro, once known as Rusev in WWE. Right. Who was and, awesome. I loved uh, Rusev. Yeah. I awesome. loved his character. And he got screwed over, too, by poor booking, yeah. right? He's doing great. He's the TNT champion in AEW. Okay. Dean Ambrose uh, was the world champion. And they got other stars like Chris Jericho. They just brought CM Punk back, okay? So what they're going to do is they're going to take – their young stars like Orange Cassidy, MJF, Darby Allen, and homegrown stars, and they're going to surround them with a few little names yeah, here and there: Sam Punk, Chris Jericho, and, and the moment, yeah. and the moment they have a, a marquee matchup against CM Punk, they're not going to have CM Punk kind of just, you know, disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they, but they're also not going to have CM Punk beat them by snapping his fingers, you know, exactly. either. Yeah. They're going to allow these newcomers to actually show their talent, go up against legends, in my opinion, right. 
CM Punk, Jericho. These guys are legends they in are. the wrestling industry. And if AEW just adds Daniel Bryan, which there's, oh my there's a river, all of a sudden you have, and, and we talked about this uh, off air, but we talked about this. WWE yes. was yes. the only, yes. they were the only show in town. Uh, you can talk total nonstop action, right. fine, but they didn't have the big TV deal. They were the only show in town for for 14 years, right? And there, and starting in around 2012, 2011, when CM Punk was king, and they started going to this well of going to the previous superstars, yeah. they had all this time to build up new credible stars. Yeah. And and if it failed in the ratings, it wouldn't have mattered right. because there was no other competition. Right. So they could have gotten over those bumps in the road yeah. in the ratings until those guys were seen as credible. Correct. Now, too late. it's too late. AEW's there. It's already bidding next in ratings. Right. The, they have a Friday night show now that is going head-to-head with SmackDown right. that is now beat, that beat SmackDown last Friday. Yeah, because of CM Punk. Yeah, CM Punk. So now you are in a position where you either overpay to get guys like Brock Lesnar to come back, which I'm sure they did. They did. You see, yeah. Brock Lesnar came back. No, I, mean, Brock oh, yeah, I don't know what they oh, overpaid yeah, yeah. him. But we haven't seen him no. for a while. That was right? just a high hello. Yeah. So now you either have to develop stars now or you're going to start losing traction to AEW. And AEW has the money backed by, by the Khan family. Yep. They have – the network and, and Turner. Yep. This looks oddly familiar. Now with WCW, hello WCW, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the fatal mistake WCW made is they relied on too many WWE guys, too many stars, and their egos. They let basically let Hogan and Nash do all the booking. Yep. And and all of a sudden, you had guys that were always getting pushes and same guys getting over, and they and all the young talent. You know, in 97, when they were kicking WWE's ass for a while. I think Austin was in WCW. Not in 97. No, I'm saying, but he, he was. was. He, was. He, was known he, as stunning, he was known as Stunning Steve Austin. Yeah. He was yeah. part of the Dangerous Alliance, led by Paulie Dangerously. Yeah. And the Dangerous Alliance consisted of beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. Uh, and then there, there was a couple other guys that I'm drawing a blank on right, right now. Right, right. But, uh, but. You saw WCW, they lost Jericho, they lost Guerrero, Benoit, they lost the Giant to WWE, right? That's when they started to lose the steam because it all became NWO. You had the Wolf Pack. You were yeah, black yeah, and yeah. white. You had yeah. like seven different sections of the NWO, yeah. and, and it just got to be too much. And the four saw, horsemen were around. Yeah, and, and you had Hogan losing to Kevin Nash for the finger poke of doom. And it was just nonsense, right? Yeah. And so uh, that was the downfall of WCW. And if AEW doesn't want to make those same mistakes, they're going to basically supplement their homegrown story that WWE experience. And and I, right now, though, I, to me, I've watched uh, AEW television. I have I haven't really seen their pay per view yet, but right now it's it's a better product. Yeah, I have to agree. It's still more exciting right now because you. They haven't even hit their pinnacle yet. No. They've just started cracking open. They may add Daniel Bryan. They may add Braun Strowman. They may add Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. You know, they may add all these. But they, 
not want to because they have all these homegrown. Now, Cody Rhodes was a WWE guy. Yeah. He started AEW yeah. with uh, Tony Khan. Okay, yeah. he started. But, but Cody Rhodes also has like an illustrious wrestling background. As he well. does, uh, but he he was underutilized yeah. in WWE. They I didn't agree. give him his full potential. That I, I thought I and I always saw it. I always saw player. it. He was a high player. And not just that, he was a technical wrestler. He could put on a show, man. Right. And, you know, like, so, I don't know. But uh, SummerSlam, to me, it was a bust. Failure. Big failure. Uh, the best matchup was Cena versus Roman Reigns. And uh, that is, uh, you know, oh, I don't know what uh, Sam here is looking for on our audio board. Uh, okay. But. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> what are you trying to find, man? The outro? I was, I was trying to get. I'm trying to give <laughs> the SummerSlam that. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, that's uh, right here. <laughs> down. down. But that's our show for tonight on Monday. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up with our outro. We will see you on a Friday when we cover our best sports movie bracket. Yes. We'll have a lot more. We're going to talk college football kickoff as week zero goes in the books this Saturday. And it's another week of the Chronic Corner. Yeah. Oh, another Chronic Corner this Friday. All sure. right. Kids are going to be excited. All right. With that, here's our outro. Take care, guys.